Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I'm looking forward to the next couple of months and getting back into the swing of things with this podcast. I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for all of the support that you've given my podcast over the years. It's hard to believe that I started this in February of 2015. Uh, It's been a great journey and I look forward to uh, getting more information to you guys. I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com and remind you guys that the Black Friday sale actually is starting early on November 12th. There's tons of great gear that's 60% off at the GoHunt gear shop. Go to GoHunt.com. Also, remember with this Black Friday sale, when you sign up for Insider, you're going to get $100 off to spend at the Go Hunt gear shop. That's just when you sign up for Insider. If you want the Explorer, you get $50 to spend in the Go Hunt gear shop. Go to GoHunt.com. Use the J. Scott promo code. Uh, guys, I want to thank Go Hunt for their sponsorship. I want to thank you guys for supporting Go Hunt. Uh, they've been a, a loyal supporter of mine from the beginning. So go check them out. I also want to thank Kuyu.com. Kuyu is the ultralight hunting gear that I've been wearing since 2010. Uh, Great ultralight hunting gear. Uh, They've got three camo patterns from the Velo to the Verde to the Vias. Uh, They've got packs. They've got all sorts of great lightweight gear. Go to kuyu.com to order. It's a direct-to-consumer website. You can go to kuyu.com to order the gear there. I also want to thank phonescope.com. Use the jscott23 promo code for a 10% discount. Phonescope is the digiscoping device that I use on my iPhone uh, to capture some of the videos and photos that you see on my Instagram account. And then I'd also like to thank Lathrop and Sons and remind you that they're doing a mountain hunt boot giveaway and a custom synergy footbed giveaway all you have to do to enter is go to lathropandsons.com click on the link there to enter into the giveaway and you can be entered into that drawing give james and steven a call if you want to discuss and talk to them about their three boots they basically have the encompass the mountain hunter and the elite boot plus their custom synergy footbeds i've been wearing them uh, now for over a year and just absolutely love their boots you there's two ways to get hold of them boots at lathropandsons.com or you can call them directly call james call steven directly they're two brothers 618-544-8782 Guys, let's get right to these episodes. If you'd like to send me a message, you can go to my Instagram account, which is at jscottoutdoors. You can send me an email, jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. God bless and thanks for your support. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. It is November 14th. I'm on my back patio in Paradise Valley, Arizona, I am joined by my good friend, the glassing guru, Cody Nelson. <laughs> Cody, how you doing? I'm doing, doing good. I still laugh at that every time you say that. Well, Poppy Scott and I welcome you here to the podcast. I she's, thought Poppy Scott was going to take my leg off, but she was she just protecting her daddy. She's just laying here watching yeah. us do our thing. Um, it's been a while since we've been able to talk. I'm excited yeah. today to have a podcast with you. We've got a bunch of Instagram uh, questions that have come in, and um, I'm excited to get into that and get into the nitty-gritty. I know uh, Go Hunt has their big Black Friday sale, but actually, 
it's opened early well, yeah, and it started, so, so it's pretty cool. It's not even Black well, Friday, and it's already going. Yeah, we can we can go over particulars, but uh, I mean, I would just tell everybody keep their keep their eyes peeled and and be looking and check your emails and check the websites. Um, there's new stuff happening th- every day. New, it, it's literally there's there's new vendors and everything you know that are being added every day and. You know, just to name a few, um, you know, like the loopholds, the six hours, Zeiss's, um, I mean, there's just, there's Vortex, there's just some great deals that are going to be coming up and, and, um, you know, I would, I would just, I think it would be really smart to pay attention. Nice. I think it's going to be as good a year as ever for, for sales and, and I just think it's just that, that time of year. I yeah, can I mean, feel the, you can feel the energy. That's awesome. I've been talking to you and texting you back and forth and. Um, you know, it's, it's about once a couple times a week, at least once a week, I get a message from a Instagram follower, how you helped them on, um, some optics purchases or sales. And, um, did the volume just jump up on you? My volume just jumped. Well, you know, what's funny is this was down here Yeah. and it, as soon as I moved it up, it, it felt like it jumped. Yeah. Like big time. Okay. All now right. It's much better now. We're working out the kinks here, yeah, guys. No, it's well, been a while. Absolutely. I took a little. Um, for for those of you out there listening, I've taken a little bit of uh, some time off from the podcast. I had 852 episodes under my belt, and I just needed a little bit of personal time, and was able to um, do some fishing this summer and some hunting this fall, and got big mexico plans coming up here uh shortly we've got a desert bighorn sheep at the end of the month uh hunt down there and then pretty excited about the mule deer and coos deer season uh coming up down in mexico and so i'm excited to get back i've got a lot of new exciting things um you're getting hunt with the uh with the go hunt boys too right oh yeah yeah you got a you got a winner and and a guest and and uh Yep, two go hunt uh, winners. I guess a winner and a guest, and then Lorenzo, Lorenzo and Trail, Trail and Brady. Brady. And well, that hell, that's a crew right there. It'll be a be a <laughs> whole crew for sure. So yeah, it's going to be, be a good time. Um, before we get going on these questions, um, you've been out looking around, looking at any coos yeah. deer, any elk. Anything? I've been trying to, uh, you know, I, I, mainly it was kind of concentrated on elk there for a little while. And got out, you know, a few times here and there, and then um, just went out. To, uh, Brady was in town the other day, and we were shooting some content and doing some looking around, and and then uh, you know, and then been looking at some coos deer. It's just, it's my kind of year. I mean, I don't have any tags. The kids and myself, none of we got drawn, and you know, we treat you know with the kids coming home from college and and uh, and with their baseball schedule, and then you know, I, my daughter didn't get drawn for anything, and and my wife and and the two boys didn't get it, so. It's it's all about looking for next year now. Yeah, just you know, out prowling. It's it, we had a good elk year in Arizona. Oh, I mean, yeah. the antler growth was good. Um, we've been pretty dang dry. I know the guys are up there on the strip right now hunting. There's been a few nice bucks shot, but I mean, the overall, the general consensus I've got from a lot of deer hunters in Arizona specifically is it's it's dry and, um, yeah. you know, I I keep reading about the El Nino. And um, hopefully that means we have a late winter. Um, yep. That's when I say late, a ton of moisture, kind of late winter. That'd be great. Um, not that I wouldn't take it now, but anyway, there's a lot of exciting things going on. Um, 
I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I think let's just dive in and sure. cover some of these questions. We've got a lot of ground you know to me. cover. I'm always game. Okay. Hit me. All right. How can you determine if you're glassing too fast or too slow on a hunt? Well, you know, those things are always an interesting thing because, it, you know, what's your knowledge of the area? Is the Have you been there in a long time? Have you scouted it? You know, there, there's Do you so know many, if a certain the, buck's yeah, alive? I mean, yeah, or? I mean, are you looking for a certain deer? I mean, there's so many things that play into that, but I, I would just generally say, you know, on, I mean, if you're seeing some deer, I would tell you that there's other deer around. And, you know, um, you know, for instance, we were talking about the, the, the October hunt this year, um, and the moon phases and, and people were having some hard times and, and, and what that just tells me is the day, time of day or whatever that I'm going to focus differently. You know, I mean, er, er, early and late is always good, but, you know, I'm not going back to camp during the moon phase hunt because that, that 10 to two time becomes really important. I, you know, that's what I feel and that's been my experience, but, um, you know, I, I think you, you just basically have to, to, unfortunately, you just have to kind of understand and, and pay attention to what's going on. If you got a gut feeling that there's nothing happening and you're not seeing any activity and, you know, I don't know, what, what does the sign look like when you walked in? And, I mean, all of those things, you know, take into account. If you're in an area that's got nothing going on, move areas. Yeah, and I think, like you said, it's so much of a gut reaction, and a lot of it's experience um, to kind of go with your gut and what you're feeling. You've always got a glass with confidence, and you've got a glass with expectancy. You've got to be always expecting to see what you're looking for, and if you're not glassing with confidence and you're not glassing with that expectancy and you're not feeling it, there's always you know, another ridge to go hike up and go get to a new spot. The hard part is, especially with coos deer, as we know, like you might have just walked away from a great buck. Absolutely. So, you know, where do you draw the line? I think you got to follow your gut when you feel like typically I'm going to give it a good morning till right. noon. Determine what have I seen? What kind of movement? Did I see does? Did I see bucks? Do I feel like I need to move over, look at some totally new country? Do I need to X that spot off the map? Do I need to come back? I mean, those or, are all or fair sometimes questions. just a different angle. Yeah, a different angle. So I mean, th there's you know, there's so <laughs> there's so many things that come involved with that. But you know, there's there's places Jay that I think now. I mean, getting a little bit older, you th you realize, man, I've glassed that place for almost thirty years now. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, there are certain places that I go that I'm like, I have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to see here today. And if I'm not feeling it and it's not up to snuff or, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, if I know there's a good buck in there or that there, you know, at, at least that generally there is or, you know, if it's a rutting area or I think you just have to take all those things into account and really, you know, there's no easy way to build that, that knowledge and I think it's other than it, experience, it, it, you got to get out there and experience it and feel it and, and understand it for yourself as, as good as possible. Yeah. I and would say if you're hunting mule deer or elk, you know, give it a good couple of hours. A good rule of thumb is I typically like to give it a good full morning. So, you know, from sun up till, you know, three, four, five hours, give it a good look over and then maybe move and just yeah. keep doing that. I think one of the challenges is people go out and they hunt, but they haven't scouted. And so they're really scouting and hunting at the same time. 
Yeah. So it, that's exactly right. You know, they if if you were able to scout for a good ten sessions before your hunt started, you'd probably have a good sense of where the animal you're you, where you want to be. So if you're hunting, I mean follow your gut if you feel like what you're looking for is not there move and you may come back well the perfect example of this is that i I think back on you know um we had gone down and hunted uh down south and um you had i I was going in blind because i was working and you know I, i don't remember the exact time or year it was but it was around two you know oh eight oh nine and i remember saying, hey, man, um, I'm good in this place. And you're like, I'm like, hey, just that, like, off the top of your head, like, what kind of deer a day is this place? And and if you remember, you were like, oh, yeah, Cody, that's like a 40, 50 deer a day deal. And after the second morning, I'm like, uh, I've seen three does, <laughs> and I saw a buck it, it going about 900 miles an hour due south headed for the border. And I called you, and I'm like, hey, uh, what? Just just to make sure I'm in the right spot. And and we ended up moving, and we ended up finding deer in a di- you know a different pocket, and those are those kind of pieces of information that are that are key. Yeah. If if some if a buddy's giving you a, a place, ask him how many deer he sees a day. Yeah, it's kind of nice to know the expectation of the area for sure. Um, hopefully that so answers. Anyway, the, I hope that answers question. his question. But if it and by the way, if he's also talking about, you know, just that instance of you know like glassing in the morning versus the the daytime and and uh, you know i would always tell the guy to be methodical slow down make sure you're hitting every field of view and and if you're not seeing what you're expecting to see move and change angles yeah okay sig sig sour image stabilizer binos gimmicky or game changers uh I, i you know i don't think they're gimmicky at all i think that people need to 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 come to this with a look i you know infatuated with optics and i love the whole prospect that we're having this conversation the fact that we're having image stabilizing like that it's in in the conversation because if anybody has looked through those glasses there is not a single person that cannot tell you that that image stabilizing works period bar none that it doesn't work no no that that it does i mean it works flat out period right so I think it's interesting with the field of views because there's some things to work out there of, of which ones, you know, seem um, like, for instance, the 1242 and the 16 by 42 have the same field of view. So they're listed as the same angle. If you can do the, 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 you know, the math on it and you figure out what it is, it's 199 and a half feet. Well, if I told you that I was looking at a thousand yards and I could have 199 feet with a 16 power that, that, that it's stabilized versus 12 power, I'll take the 16 power. Sure, because you have four more so, magnification. Yeah, so you know, there's a there's a 10 by 32, a 12 by 42, a 1642, and then a 20 by 42. And the only one that I haven't looked through is the 20 by 42. Um, for my own purposes, I think that's a little much. Um, I seem to kind of gravitate towards the 16s because specifically what I want to use them for is, um, you know, when I'm running and gunning or, you know, when I'm just trying to chew up country and look at moving deer and, you know, look for rutting bucks or, you know, something, there are several places that I want to just, instead of get all my tripod and all my gear out, I want to be able to look at a slope and have it perfectly still. And Jay, I got to tell you, 
I was pretty amazed at how, I mean, it, it's steady. There is no doubt in my mind. Now, is the glass the same thing as, as you know, some of the higher-end glass? No, it's not. But does it work? And, and can you see really well through them? 100%. So I, I don't think they're gimmicky at all. And I think my own two cents in this is that this, is, this conversation is only going to come up more and more. And I think I would be other optics would be crazy not to go down this road. Other companies. I, I just it, it's one of those things that I think is a game changer that way. And as a consumer, you're egg, egging them on basically to come on, well, boys. Let's one hundred percent. Let's get together and compete and, and, and make and, a great product for them. By the way, consumers. the one thing that people should know is is that like so our first questions. Obviously, I'm always thinking about how to manipulate it and you know glassing and whatever. Um, it's a little more difficult to get it on a uh, on a tripod, so it's got a little battery hump underneath there. And I, I did I, I was able to get it up on a um, a UTA a, a, uni, a universal tripod adapter from Swarovski. And the interesting part is is that initially what they explained was is that there's not enough movement in the binocular on a tripod to actually make the the gyro or whatever that piece is called function. But what I did find out and what was very interesting is, is that when I was panning left to right, you know how when you push a tripod, you know, you push a head, you know, to the side and when you stop it, there's kind of that little bit of a reverb and, mm -hmm. and you get a little bit of bounce back. It, the, the movement in, in the stabilized, it, you don't get that reverb. Hmm. It's, it's almost like it's in slow motion. Mm. And and then it settles and it settles without causing any any vibration or whatever. It, it that part I will tell you was incredibly like oh, well this is pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, there's some there's some very cool things about it. I do not believe it's gimmicky. Um, I there's you know there's a lot of people that are digging in on this. Um, I don't think it replaces you know certain aspects of your glassing and tripod games, but you know there are certain people that that you know regardless of what they do and how they glass their this may fit their program perfectly well well i just saw you sell <coughs> 10 pair to one one client just a second ago I, so. I did and uh it's um yeah so i mean i i know that it says something to somebody okay advantages of a pair of binos and spotter over a 15 by 56 bino only out west so he's hunting out west okay advantage of a pair of binos over a spotter well, it's efficiency. It's both eyes open, relaxed, looking at at you know multitude of distances, and you're letting your eyes do the walking with, with within each field of view. And and by that you're being very efficient, and you're not moving your glass, and you're keeping your eyes still, and you're on a tripod, and um, you know spotting scopes have a much narrower field of view. And Jay, we've talked about this you know so much that. I use spotting spotting scopes for validation. You know, is it a buck? Is it not a buck? Is Classification it a, is, and is, identification. Is it a big buck? Is it not? Yeah, I mean, whatever it is, we're using it to identify something that we've already pretty much seen. Yeah. Um, there are moments that if there's a slope or something that's way up there that's just beyond the, the, the binocular reach, there are moments that I will put a, a spotting scope up and on. It's basically one field of view you know, cranked up to 30, 40, 50 power or something like but that. But in essence, you're looking at kind of but, two miles away, one, but, but I'm looking at one spot, one just spec. seeing if a deer that, is right out in the open. That's correct. 
people come down and coos deer hunt with us, you know, every year in Mexico. And it seems like every year I see it where I'll look over and someone will literally be scanning with a spotting scope. And I get the question on my Instagram <laughs> stories a lot. And I, guys, I just want to be clear. A spotting scope is for clarification, classification, identification, to zoom in, to, to see what type of buck it is, what type of bull it is. How old is the ram? In my opinion, a spotting scope should not be used to find animals. You need both eyes. That's yeah. where then I get the question, well, what about the BTX? It's both eyes. Yes, it is. Well, does that, do I get to use the BTX in, in the place of a spotting scope? The spotting scope is still to identify, to right. clarify, to zoom in and see what type of buck it is. BTX, yes, you get to use both eyes. Yes, it is a long-range piece. But a spotting scope is basically a singular purpose, and that is to zoom in and figure out what you're looking at, figure I, out what type of animal it is. I would just ask somebody, if you were to draw a box in front of you, just in the sand, right, and you were to take one cup, and I told you to fill that cup with circles that were touching each other like you were gritting out the square. Can you fill that better with, with a bigger field of view with two cups faster and be more efficient? Or is it one cup? And, 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 and that's all that needs to be said. Two you, for sure. You, you cover it with, with, you're covering more country more efficiently and letting your eyes do the walking and you're overlapping those, and, and the practice of doing that, I promise you that the, the things that you will pick up and the things that you will see with both eyes open will be alarming. And by the way, your eyes work better both you know with, with both of them operating together. So, yeah, that's, that was, that's what I would tell him. Question here, best approach for chasing animals after glassing them up, specifically thick timber elk. So when, I, when he says chasing animals, I think he means stalking animals, making a play on animals in thick, specifically thick timber, talking elk. Ooh, well, I mean, hopefully you've watched them go in and bed down or... or I mean, I, I think, you know, once the glassing stops, the hunt begins, right? And all of those, you know, wind direction and thermals and all that stuff becomes ultra important. And, you know, I mean, you know, glassing's just one part of the game. And, and I, I, I don't think that that, you know, um, is in place of, you know, basic hunting skills. So, exactly. I, I mean... I mean, it's I, always nice to have a hunting partner and let's say you've got some elk was, and some yeah. thick timber and let's say it's early in the morning and they're kind of filtering through the thick timber, but you think that they're still in a position where maybe you can get on them and get right. a shot. It's, it's very important in my opinion to keep your spotter, keep your friend in that position. Yep. Don't take your eye off it and then have the other guy move in and try and get quote unquote in shooting position or get in a better vantage position yep but never take your eyes off of that spot and and i think it's important and i think a lot of people lose animals because they both they're excited because they saw a big bull that goes into the thick timber and they both pack up and they both head over 
and the bull comes yeah. back out, reverses course, and goes back the other yeah. way, and drops down. And now they're they're hiking. They didn't see that. Yep. And they get over to where they're going to shoot from, and they don't even know that the elk has turned around, come back through the opening. Now he's gone to a totally different hillside and direction. So leave a spotter on there. Let the the and, other and person get closer. And by the way. Then have him get on it so that that spot is never, the eyes have never come off that spot. And I'm pretty sure that when, when you and I both know what we mean when we say this, this isn't meaning. There's been some butt what, chewing. Yeah. You, you don't. You don't leave a spotter and that guy's taking a nap while you're walking over there. This is a spotter that you're literally watching every single movement the entire time that that guy is moving to get into position. Because it's those moments that, especially if you're talking about like a coos deer or, you know, something that's a little more sneaky than an elk. But I'm just flat out telling you, animals have flat out disappeared and you're like, well... Did you see him leave? Well, I, I took a nap while you were... Yeah, or I <laughs> or ate I, lunch, or, or I got or, my or, pack, or I had to go to the bathroom, or... When, when the stock is on, the stock is on. Yeah. So, guys, um, really, it's important to always keep your eyes on that. Now, if you're hunting by yourself, what I would do is, if I was glassing and I saw something that I wanted to see closer, or I wanted to go stock and put a chase on, I would watch it. So let's say it's in the morning. I would watch it until an hour or two goes by. And I would make sure that nothing reversed its course. Then I would pack up once I feel confident that the angle yeah. that that animal, that elk was going in, that he stayed in there. Then I would advance my position and just hope that in that period of time when I'm hiking over there, that that animal doesn't move back but Correct. don't just see something and go chasing over everything has to be calculated everything has to be efficient everything has to be like a calculated strike yep. like I, I i've said it before like imagine that elk being able to shoot back at you do everything you would do as if you thought they are have a sniper gun there so how would you act you would keep your eye on yep. it to see where they're at you would stay out of sight. You would get into a position where you would be able to strike before they strike you. It's the same thing. I mean, it, it in in the world of guiding and hunting out west, it's real tactical. It's real military style. Like this is a serious game, and so that's how I would treat it. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't mean we don't have fun along the way. It doesn't mean there's there's you know there's not you know not fun things said or <laughs> made fun of or i mean there's been Kinda a lot like of like if this thing gets away <laughs> it's cuz your fault cuz you're the spotter so you better keep your eye on it and yeah okay so, yep um how to pick apart shade with open timber with heat waves i mean heat waves are i mean you know i would always tell somebody to to maximize it to you know turn the turn the power up or magnification up turn the power find that sweet spot of where you've mitigated as much as possible make sure that you've created as much what i like to refer to as angle or um you know space uh to to help you know get away from the ground so to speak um to to mitigate some of those and i it, it, and sometimes there sometimes there's not a perfect position 
Um, but that just comes. I, I really think that a lot of guys, um, if they'll, if they'll, like, if you're looking through a spotting scope and you're looking into a, you know, a, a, a small pocket of timber or whatever that's shaded and you can see into it. Um, I, I mean, I would turn them. I, I would maximize the magnification to where. I you know really it was kind of hard to see through and 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 where the where the heat waves were a factor, and I'd turn it back until until it it, it minimized that to where you could actually try to see. So um, you know that's that, that's the best thing I can tell you to do in that instance. And a lot of times, go with your lower. I would go with more of a ten power than a fifteen power. Right. I think you're going to have a better. Um, the more magnification, I think the worse the heat waves yep. are going to be. Yeah, in, in some way, shape, or form, whether it's binoculars or whatever. I mean, you gotta you got to figure out which one you can, you know, see through. Um, opinions on Tricer tripods or lightweight tripods for the backcountry with the Swarovski ATC? Well, so look, the... the Tricer Drew, th- those guys are doing a really cool thing, and and um, we actually have a couple yeah, tricers no, we, here I, I on the table. Yeah, I brought a couple today that that, that are prototypes. And so this one's the AD, right? This one right here. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's the that that is the the AD, and and that's got a VA five head on it, and and I found that that tripod to be really you know quite usable and um, works through a, a, a lot of different, uh, weights of, 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 of optics. The interesting thing about these tripods, I'm looking at them right here is the lower leg is, is actually the, is the, the thicker, thicker dynami- yeah. uh, diameter. Yep. And then as you go up, they get thinner. Yeah, uh, for most people who don't understand that the, the legs are inverted. So the, so instead of the, the, uh, adjustments being on the bottom of the leg and you got to reach for them and do that, they're, they're actually at the top. So, um, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a really cool design. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work with Drew and, 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 you know, he and I have bounced the ideas off each other for more than a year now, but, um, you know, the, these things have, they just do a great job and they're well built. Um, we have not had any problems with them. Um, and you know, the, he just, there's, the, he, it's a constant, uh, creation and he, and he's really super passionate about it. And um, and I think they're worth the money, and and uh, I think they do a great job with them. And they're, you know, they're they're stable, but yet, I mean, Jay, I don't know if you picked that one up, but it, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you know, just the the other you know, prototype that was that was being talked about, even that, you're like, man, it's this pretty lightweight for what it is, and it, and how, what are you six two six three? Yeah, and you can stand behind that easily. So you know, if that's what you're what you're wanting to do, but I mean, it, in it gives essence, you plenty he's of looking options. for a lightweight tripod for the backcountry, and yep. with that, you have the tricer. Yeah, the, you have the Sure. Right, but and you have the slick. Those yep. are probably your three yep. best options for lightweight backpacking yep. type tripods. And then you've also got the 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 other one that's come in there too. That um, Rydell's done a really good job from Asiac. Um, he's got an ultra lightweight tripod. And that that you know was for for the guy that just literally is completely one hundred percent weight conscientious. Um, that's another tripod that's that's uh, that's that's serving the purpose really well too. One thing I do want to point out though is this guy's asking the question for the Swarovski ST, STC or ATC, mm-hmm. um, right? Yeah, STC. Yeah, a- ATC um, STC. There is a fine line, and that's what I, w- I want to point out, is 
you know, is this going to be your everyday tripod? Is this going to be just your backpacking? Because right. when you're really trying to sacrifice and, and gain, leave weight on the table, leave weight at home, take well, your lightest, you are going to give up something when you go the ultralight. So correct. are some of these ultralight options great for backpacking? Would you necessarily make it your everyday glasser? I, I think it's great I, to have two, don't I, you? I think it's or three. The, the, the best part about all of this, again, and this is what's so exciting about my job, is that I'm getting to play with it all and, and, and literally have the option. Where, you know, we didn't always have every single option like this. Um, I generally lean myself towards what I would call a middleweight tripod, and let's just call that four pounds. You know, but these tripods, when you're when you're done with, I mean, they're you know they're at three pounds and 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 under, depending what heads you have on them. And and I would just tell guys that I, I think the most appropriate thing to answer this question is, um, yes, the the tricer. If he's referring to like the BC, which is the the smaller of the the tricers, yes, that will absolutely work for the uh, for the the STC ATC. No no questions asked. But I would just tell them to be cognizant of matching. The weight of the optics worth the weight of the tripod and its it, its its you know limits on stability. Yes, you can always add a, a um, uh, you know weight to them. Um, you can always you know use them you know for different you know like shooting or when he you know, says that he's talking about hanging weight yeah, from hang the center off the post. hook of the center post. So there's a lot of different options out there, and I would just tell guys to make that conscientious conscientious decision of what is is what is too light and you know too heavy for them well if you get too light the problem could potentially be as if you get if you're in the back country and you have high winds yeah so yep you know you get vibration you know would you rather carry a little bit heavier one those are all questions but you know if you're going 10 miles deep and going to come out super heavy i mean i understand where every ounce counts and i think that's where tricer and some of yeah. the others are trying to fill that void of well and they're and they're and they're they're also but they're they're trying to match up to conditions it, it, condi i mean they're, they're literally trying to give you a tripod that's light but yet stiff enough to handle the you know to handle it sure and 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 look i you know i don't care what, i don't care what tripod you're glassing from when the winds are heavy it, it, it all sucks at a certain point right and you're trying to mitigate that and i'm just saying that it's a lot easier to mitigate heavyweight than it is lightweight. But I would just tell somebody that if, if lightweight is what you're looking for, um, you know, the tricers absolutely are, are worth, you know, looking into and certainly purchasing. And they have exploded. Awesome. So been, been really good. So keep looking for new stuff for them too. Opinions on the big eyes, Swaros versus Koa. Uh, well, I'm, that's so kind of he's either talking about the twins or he's talking about the BTX Swaro yeah, um, versus Koa, which I've had, I so have the, all three. Yeah. So the Koa Highlanders, um, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, one of the originals, you got to talk about, uh, Koa Highlanders and, and Dr. Optics, right? So those were, um, you know, those are, are both incredible options. They, and for everybody's information, um, I think they might still be making the 20 to 50, you know, Doctor Optic, but the, I, the 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 ones that everybody wants is the forty eighty. They don't make those anymore. Too bad. I really would like a pair of those, you know, to use, but um, they don't make them anymore. So that's off the table, in my opinion. 
But when you start talking about the, the, the Highlander, I mean, you know, it's a 13-pound, 14-pound piece of gear. And, and look, I have no problem saying that it's an incredible piece of glass and super easy to look through. And, and you know, I've used those on so many countless occasions, I, I can't even begin to tell you. And I love that piece of glass. But it's 14 pounds. And plus you get, your tripod. Plus your tripod. Yo, your tripod's got to be big enough to handle that weight. So, you know, you're, you're, you're just, you know, you're multiplying or exponentially getting bigger every time you go with that. So, you know, my, I mean, I look, I love that piece of glass. Um, if, if, if they're talking about the BTX, look, I've pretty much had them all side by side. And a few of them I've had to look at at different times, you know, just without being able to compare them all. I think the, the, the thing that needs to be said, guys, buy the best glass you can afford with it. If, if it means you're buying the, the 664s, you know, and, you know, with an Adams adapter and, and you're doing that or you're buying a BTX, I think all of them are ridiculously good. And yeah, there's little things that, you know, Jay, I know you love the, the Swaro spotters, the twins, the twins be, because I know you love the straight tubes. Yeah. So I, I, I don't disagree with you. Those are incredible pieces of glass. And when they're paired right and they, and, and everything fits, I think they're awesome. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 maybe he's talking about, you know, the, I mean, there's so many different options, the 77s and. You know, there's the, well, eight, I'll, I'll the, the 80 millimeters. I went from Dr. 40's super wide angle yep. to Koa. And the thing, I love the Koa's optically. I hated looking down at an angle because if I was up high and looking yep. down, it's hard to look down. You sure. have to almost get out over the binos. Yep. And I used those for years, the Koa's, 32 power hi yeah, uh, 30, Highlander. 32 by 82's. And then I switched to the 65 STS twins, yep. which I still have, the Swarovski. Um, then I got the BTX, which the BTX is really nice to use, but again, angled for me. I don't even like angled spotting scope. So when I have a choice and they're both sitting there, I typically grab the twins. Um, the question I have for you is, has anybody started to put STC together and what does that look like? Yeah, and has anybody um, put Adams, you know, Adams been, you know, uh, he and I have DM'd each other a couple times and he's putting the STCs together. What's um, the verdict on that? Well, I don't know. He he literally just built the the prototype. Okay. And I th I think it's an interesting piece that needs to be talked about and I think it's interesting. Um but this you got 17 power and then with a 56 millimeter, why not just use the 15? Well, there's that, there's that question. Like, why, you know, do you just use a 15? Well, but you can also turn, you know, turn it up to 40 power. So there's, I think the kinks need to be worked out of that, but I think there's going to be some people interested because I think it's going to weigh five pounds. Right. Which to my knowledge. Like my, my twins weigh seven and a half. Yeah. But I think that's the lightest by far any set of twins. And. You know, so there, there's a lot of things to consider. I mean, the the uh, the light transmission through most spotting scopes is not as great as what's through a binocular. So, I mean, yeah, we're just, you know, I can't wait to put my eyes through them. Um, and then the other thing that you've got is, is that um, because of the tubes are fat enough, you know, somebody with a real short IPD, 
J- I mean, Jake, because don't you have to squeeze your 15s together? Yeah, so I have to take the eye cup off. Um, the old Swarovskis, right. I had to take those eye cups off to even get them together. Okay, but then on, but like on a set of 15s, do you have to squeeze them? To th- That's th- what I mean. On 15s, I have to squeeze uh, them all uh, the way together. Well, so I, I think Adam said that, you know, there's like a, a, a two and a half is going to be. Now, the measurement on the new Swarov 15s is 2.2. So that means they're going to be pretty wide, and I don't know that people with the narrow field of view. I know it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out. But I mean, there's uh, look that whole twins thing. It it comes down to what works for you, right? And there's so many good options out there. And for everybody that doesn't know, they don't make the 663s and 664s from Koa anymore. Those are done. And I, I don't know if they're coming back with anything new, but the the 66 A's and S's you can't put together because the eyepieces don't fit. Hmm. You can't take the the ATX or STX or the STXs and put them together because the you know I mean I've heard guys do some pretty interesting things with a bandsaw, but um, I mean that's the you know that's the truth of it. There's there's a ton of good product out there. Speaking um, of bandsaw, I think my yeah. neighbors. Trimming some trees, so, so guys, excuse that. Hopefully, you can't hear it too bad on the audio. So, um, okay, let's move on. Will other optic companies adopt SIG's stabilization feature in the near future? I, I could only hope so. I mean, you know, it's what, what I talked about earlier. I, I, th- that's the best part of my job is that we get to have those kind of conversations, period. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about the patents of any of that. I don't know about all... I would love it if if other companies were to to, to you know go down that road, because I think when you have competition and you have stuff going on, I think it only gets better. Think we should go inside, or you think it's all right? What, whatever you want. <laughs> so we're looking up here at the mountain. My neighbors got about. Well, maybe they're. I don't know if they're cutting palm trees or what, but there's two machines going now going to town. Um. Pros and cons of used Zulu Zulu 6 or new Zulu 6 HDX. In your opinion, worth it to spend the extra money? So going used versus new. He wants um, the pros and cons first, and then he wants to know should he go used or new. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't sell used. and I mean, if you can find something for the right price, I would never stop a guy from doing it, but... You know, I would always go to the to the newest ones because um, I'll take any advantage I can get. If it's better glass, better coatings, um, of which all the above are, are in play, I, I would take the new glass because the, the new glass is better. Okay. Can you shoot off a Sure VA5 head with death grip attachment and not damage the internals on the head? Um, well, I, I think the death grip is the bog pod thing. Um, to be fair and honest, I don't know if that works for that or not. I don't see why that would be a big deal, but I don't lock my tripod out when I do that. My tripod always has a bit of tension on it, but it, it's enough to, to, to move, so to speak. I've shot, you know, I, I, and I normally don't, I mean, the only one that I do lock in is I lock in the, uh, the triclops and 
I've, I've never had a problem with shooting off a VA5 head with a Triclops, so I don't think it should be a problem with a, with a death grip. I, I, I've never used a death grip. I've played with it before, but I've just never shot with it. Okay. It's a little bigger than others. Guys, we're going to take a little break here. They've, they're getting serious yeah, about these trees over here. Yeah, we're going to take a little break. There's more of them than, than we, we may have to go combat on them. There's the whole clan over here. Yeah. Uh, we're going to give it 10 minutes and see if they can clean that yard up and be gone and out of here. So we'll be right back at you here. Okay, guys, we're back. Um, we've got a ceasefire on the uh, leaf blowers <laughs> over there. <laughs> we had to take about a 45-minute break, but uh, we're back. Okay, Cody, question. Has has Cody tried the Revic binos, pros and cons? Well, first and foremost, um, yeah, the Revics are nice. Good glass. Um, I, I think what you're getting is, is that you're getting wor real-world... Um, long-range shooters that put a system together and functions like a long-range shooter would want it to. And so um, we've had nothing but good success with them. Um, I, I think, you know, what, what a person should do is, is put their eyes behind them, make sure that that is what, you know, what they, what they want. Um, and as long as that person is putting together, you know, the, the the ballistics and everything the way that they want it and does I, I would just tell you yes i think they're worth every penny okay. we, we've had we've literally had really good success with them so i've been very pleased with them okay binos for tripod system what magnification do you prefer 12 15s why thanks well i, I kind of go back on my three tier system typically right um, I'm really into the 10 by 42 NL peers right now. Um, I, I, another glass, by the way, I should have brought those for you to take a look at today, but, um, I've been using the, the 10 by 40, uh, Zeiss SFLs, fantastic piece of glass. So I'm kind of into a 10 power with a wider field of view right now. Um, I love a 15 and give me my, you know, my BTX, you know, 115 and a, in a in a spotting scope, uh, you know, which is typically an STX eighty five, and give me some combination of that, and I'm good to go. I think when you get a question like that, it's a little hard because he doesn't say I'm a coos deer hunter. I live yeah. in Arizona. You know, I live in Colorado. I hunt elk and mule deer primarily. Um, well, and let me state this: I could go anywhere in the world and make that system work for me in in some way, shape, or with form with tens. With tens, yeah. Now, you know, look, there, there's arguments for all this stuff, and and those things are, you know, if that guy's got a specific question, have him call me, and and I'll I'll walk him through, like what's the best scenario for you, not me. I mean, because I, I can make there's a lot of things I can make work for me, and there's not always an exact one, and I think it's just something we need to talk through, and and like I had a guy today calling me about a whitetail setup that he can see anywhere from 300 to 800 yards. And, and, you know, we were basically trying to figure out what was going to work best for him. And it wasn't a spotting scope. And he opted for a set of 15s that he could see back into the timber and see the shadows on the edges of the fields. And that also that he could look, you know, from, from his little hill, if you want to, or his observation, vantage. his vantage point. And he was able to see it very well. 
So um, you know, we opted for a set of 15s because I think with the yardage he's talking about, he can cover that really easily. So it really kind of depends on, on what that guy's doing and what he needs. Okay, can you please break down why exit pupil size matters? Well, in short, exit pupil is basically the band of width that the light is that's touching your, it's getting to your eye. So if you, if I were to take that down to nothing and you had an exit pupil that was less than, say, 1.0, well, that's only, you know, a millimeter or less of light getting to your eye as opposed to if you're looking through a, um, you know, like an uh, an eight by forty two that's you know five point two five or something like that millimeter exit pupil that that's probably got more light that that your eye can actually accept. So the exit pupil is the amount of light that that binocular is allowing to to reach your eye. So I would ask somebody if they really want to know what that looks like. I would tell them to look at somebody looking through a pair of binoculars and look at them through the side to where you can see their eye. And you can literally see the, the amount of light coming through that binocular and, and hitting their eye. And, and quite frankly, I think they'll, they'll be surprised to see that you can, you can really kind of see the, the, the bandwidth. So the more light to your eye, the, the better you can see. Can you use a tripod pan head Sure VA5 to shoot off of? This must be the same. Well, it's guy the same scenario. Yeah, without destroying it. Um. Yeah. I. 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 I just. I always tell. I. I don't. I think this gets into that thing that we've talked about in the past, Jay. Of like, are you a shooter first or are you a, a glasser and you know all these things? I don't. I don't use Arca Swiss on my rifles. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm not saying you can't. And I'm not saying, you know, that, that it's, you know, uh, more accurate or less accurate. What I am saying is that I always leave my tripods with a little bit of tension so that they move. That in an instant, I need to go up, down, left, or right. And, and if that doesn't work... Um, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, the, I've, only, I've only seen one tripod on the thousands of VA5s I've sold that ever was said that they shot from it and it, ex it, and it didn't explode. It just, like one of the knobs, um, it, it, I feel it was over-tightened, but I, I don't know that for certain because I wasn't there. So I, I just don't have the experience, you know, with that to say, oh, yeah, you can't tighten those down and it, it won't hold up. I think that's inaccurate. I think a guy's got to be reasonable with what he's asking it to do. If you put a 338 Lapua or some crazy big gun problem. on there and, and you lock it down, yeah, I, I suppose there's a chance that it could, it, it, it could cause something to happen. A trend that I don't really like, but I'm kind of old school, is it seems the younger guys are doing a lot of the shooting off of tripods, and mm -hmm. I'm kind of old school and getting as low as you can, get down on a backpack, get down behind the gun. Yeah. I guide guys every year and have, this will be my 28th season in Mexico, like I see it all. 
and the accuracy laying down behind a pack laying prone is way better and i see guys that i see videos of guys that are shooting off a tripod when their pack is right there and they could easily be laying down and they choose to shoot off of a tri off of a tripod i don't really understand yeah that. it's it's it, it jay there's there's i mean there's there's a lot of influence right now that's coming out of the you know the the well the sniper community and the um and the long range shooting and the prs and nrl matches and and i'm not I, i'm not like shedding bad light on any of that because i think all of that's good I think sometimes, in, in in certain ways, I think we've, in some respects, have made it more complicated yeah. than it needs to be. Right. And, um, uh, for instance, I had a guy not too long ago that, I don't know what that he was arguing, but he was like, well, you know, I want to do this, and, and I, I want my tripod to get as low as possible, and it's the only way I can shoot low. And I'm like, well, just describe for me your 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 rifle well it's about a seven and a half eight and a eight, eight pound rifle and i got a bipod and i'm like well if you've got a bipod why would you want your tripod to go all the way low like get rid of the bipod that i mean like so like i think guys are overthinking this like they got to be perfect for every scenario and i think what guys have to be i, I truly think what guys have to think about is is being imaginative and using kind of that bench rest mentality about you know getting points of contact and 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 being a solid and making sure that the rear is supported. I, I mean, th there's so much that goes into that. And Jay, you know, I've worked the counters before. Every contraption that I've ever seen, the ones that get the return most are the ones that are never practiced. Yeah. You know, for example, there's a situation that happened on a hunt that got a big old coos deer that we're about to fire upon and we're trying to get tripods and stuff and, you know, all this going. And I'm sitting back, by, you know, about a thousand yards away looking at it. I'm like, what's taking so long? So I give a little little radio nudge to, 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 the, to the observer. Hey, uh, are we going to do this or what do we got? Well, we're getting all set up with a tripod. Well, how long is that going to take? Because that buck's not going to stand there all day. Well, uh, and I said, hey, how about we just use that 1,000-pound boulder laying right next to him? And it was, like, it, was, it was like radio silence. Yeah. So it was, it was very interesting at that moment because it was like there, there's literally a, a rock that's flat on top that you could lay, lean across and and literally be like you're at a bench rest. It was about a 2,000-pound boulder. And we're worrying about getting all this stuff ready and doing this. Why That, that doesn't need to happen. Gizmos and gadgets. And Just, I mean, put your tripod or, or your, 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 your uh, bipod out, lean across the top of that rock, support the back end, and hammer that dog. Yeah. Okay, best <laughs> reflex sight for pistol. Oh, uh, man, there's there's some good stuff out there. Um, the two that I lean on the most, um, Leupold uh, Delta Point Pro and the, uh, and, and the Six Hour uh, Romeo One Pro. Um, those are, you know, 
pistol sights, they work well. I, I would tell people that I think people need to get their eyes behind them. Go, you know, go somewhere or, or look at where you can see it. Um, try it out. And if it doesn't work for you, we, you know, they can be swapped, but, um, I'm anytime that you get those things that, that, you know, your, your, uh, you know, aim points and whatnot, you're just trying to make sure that you see through them well and that you're concentrating on what needs to be, you know, uh, at, at hand. But, you know, there's several different models and, and, uh, but yeah, those are, those are about $400 units plus, And I think that, um, I think that those would serve anybody extremely well, and they've they've done well for us. What are these right here? Oh, uh, you, you know, Black Friday specials and sales and things coming. Tell me about it. Uh, we've got. Uh, I mean, this is kind of a big. You know, this is kind of our. I mean, August is a huge month for us because it's always the beginning of the season and it gets a little crazy, but. You know, with with uh, with the Black Friday sales and and it's just that time of year it gets pretty exciting because you know uh, the vendors start to allow us to to offer things that you know to our our uh, our customers that'll save them quite a bit of money. So um, I mean, there's uh, I mean, starting right now, I mean, there's there's sales coming up for um, uh, Zeiss will be uh, started on the fifteenth. Um, well, which is what tomorrow, tomorrow, um, that'll start tomorrow. There's the, um, the SFLs will be 250 off the, the V4 sc- rifle scopes will be, uh, 150 off the S, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the, the conquest, um, uh, binocular line will be uh, $200 off. Um, you know, after that, you've got, uh, uh, six hours starting their yearly sale, um, that's going to be like a 20% off deal. So all the stuff that we're talking about, the, you know, the, the, uh, the Romeo one pros all, you know, there's, you just got to pay attention to what stuff they'll allow at certain times, but, um, there's, so what do they do? Focus on the website and yeah, watch? just d- d- look for their emails, hit the website, do the searches of the products they're looking for. Um, the, uh, you know, you got trice. I mean, there's all kinds of optic sales coming. Um, one's one that's going on right now that is not normal. Sarovsky has got the 1042, uh, and the eight and a half 42, uh, EL Swarovisions on sale right now, uh, for 1999. That's unheard of. Um, and they, they continued the sale. They're going to do it through the end of the year. So I think that's, that, that was incredibly gracious of them to, to allow us to keep doing that because they, we sold so many good, you know, the, 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 the popularity of that has been fantastic. So, um, that's been good. And then, um, the other thing that just, uh, went on sale was, uh, the 1556 SLC and that's going to run through the end of the year. So those are 2399, which they were 2649. So, um, that's going on right now to the end of the year. Um, but yeah, there's uh, loopholes coming up on the 20th. There's a, a wholesale going, the, a new uh, lot of products that are going with that. So I think you're going to see the VX5s, uh, Delta Point Pros, uh, BX2 Alpine, uh, 1042s and 1250s. You're going to have the BX2 Alpine full or, uh, uh, spotting scopes, uh, the 60 and the 80s, and then the full draw five range finders. Um, so there's, it's, action-packed and i mean there's a ton of sales going on so jump on the website check your emails um and look for those announcements and and uh if there's any questions about the the products holler at me that's what i do what's the best way is is texting you or going through um, the go hunt website you no know, uh, uh 
you know, you can always go to, uh, to optics at gohunt.com. Um, that's probably the most common way. Um, uh, you can call us at 702-847-8747. Um, and then that line will go into one of our, 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 you know, tier one guys. And then, you know, they'll, they'll get you back to me for the optic stuff. Um, and then, you know, I always have, I don't know, people Taking think the I'm nuts, but, but yeah, so I've always, uh, offered my cell phone up at 602-399-3699. You can text me or, uh, call me or, you know, whatever, it, you know, whatever I can do to help out. So, um, you know, I just try to make myself available and try to help people when, when they need it. Awesome. So, Got a few more questions here. Uh, Zeiss 15s versus Swirl 15s, pros and cons of each. Um, you know, uh, man, I, I, I like both. I, I, I lean towards the Swirls. Um, I've been a Swirl guy for that for a long time. Uh, don't kid yourself. The, the Zeiss glass. You started as a Zeiss 15. Well, I, I did. Well, I, I, I did. You. I mean, I, you know, the 1560s are still one of the, you know, my favorite pieces of glass on this earth, and and they always will be. Um, I, I wish Zeiss would would put new glass and new new prisms and and uh, and keep 1560s and and make them wider field of view. And boy, we'd have something there, wouldn't we? Um, but uh, Zeiss. There's a little bit different color. They 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 they're, you'll, you'll notice a little bit different tints to them. Um, Swarovski for me is a little bit more on the yellow. The Zeiss will be a little bit more on the blue. Um, you know, there's a little bit obviously difference in price, but um, I, I think the edge to edge is you know overall it's a little cleaner on the Swaros. Um, um, I, I, I they're both tripod mountable. Um, I, I love the Swirl eye cups for me. That's, uh, you know, the way that I like to put my eye cups all the way down. That's typically what I see best, um, and get that apparent field of view. Um, but man, if, if, if you just couldn't, you know, do the twenty three ninety nine on the 15s and you told me that all I could have was the, the 15 by 56 conquest HDs, I'm not going to be disappointed. I've used them in the field a dozen or 20 times and been extremely pleased with them and would never complain about it. Next question is, when is Swarovski making 18 power? <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know that they'll ever make an 18 power. Um, you know, I'm assuming this person's, you know, wanting something different, bigger, better than the, than the 15s. Um, you know, I've been told that the 15 line is not going away. The SLCs are, are here to stay. Um, you know, I, I, I think in the advent of the um, of all the, the NL peers that have come, you know, people are asking. I, I get this question probably, Jay, no less than twice a day right now. Um, you know, people are wanting an NL, and I, there would be nothing sexier and better than, you know, that quote-unquote 15-power NL with a wider field of view and lighter weight. And all that. It would all be amazing. Right. And, you know, I hope that someday that we get to that point. I just, um, I'm waiting for the announcement like everybody else. Uh, but I will tell you that I've been advocating for it strongly. Spend the money on a good set of binos or a spotter. We get this one a lot. I say spend the money on good binos first and foremost. And then once you I, have a good pair of binos, I, then spend the money on yeah, a good I would spotter. Almost always start with the one you spend the time behind most. And, you know, we've always talked about that 85 or 90 percent, you know, binocular to spotter ratio. And, and, you know, that may change on certain days, but um, I would almost always lean to the optic that I'm going to use the most. 
and 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 put my you know my my time or my 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 money behind that one next question just got a pair of slc 15s should that be enough for glassing or do i need to add additional glass well i mean on the heels of everything that we've said today i mean i think that that's a wonderful start i'm assuming he has you know like a chest pair or something that he's using for short range and and handheld stuff um you know that 15 will will that 15 will let you see a long ways um maybe not to the detail that you want you know at you know 2000 25 3000 yards or whatever it is and and I would always tell you that uh, for me if I go back to that three tier thing you know I got a 10 on my chest I got a 15 in my pack that I mount on a tripod and stare through all day and when I want to validate something that I've seen or of interest that, that I need to figure out, um, um, I would tell you that the spotting scope is, is a part of that kit. So um, I, I, I guess it would depend on his particular situation, if that makes sense. You know, if he needs it, yeah. If not, um, maybe the 15s will do enough. Next question. I have a 12 by 50 Diamondbacks. SLC 15s and a 65 millimeter STS. Should I get 1042s to replace the 12s? Um, so he has 1250 Diamondbacks, SLC 15s, and 65 millimeter STS. Should he get 1042s? Yeah, that's look the 12. I'd replace the spotting scope. Yeah, I mean, well, I, he said he had a S, STS. 65 millimeter STS. Well, so he, so here's he has the 12s and he has the 15s. Yeah, so but I think the 12s and the 15s are a little close together, a little bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd always like to see a little bit more space between the ch you know the chest pair and. So he's saying, should I get 1042s to replace the 12s? So then he'd have 10s and 15s. Yeah, I mean, I think that that makes a little sense. I think it's going to be easier to handhold them. Um, uh, generally speaking, they're going to be lighter weight and smaller, you know, than the, than the 12 by fifties. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, again, uh, there might be some scenarios that he's using certain things, but, um, if, if it were me, I'd go, I'd go eights or tens and, and, and in a 42 and then, and then have a 15 and a spotter. Okay. <clears throat> we talked about this, but not specific. This is coup specific. How long are you glassing one specific area or cut before moving on? Um, Man, there's so much. This is such a loaded question, and so many variables that come into this because it depends on the season. It depends on the activity. It depends on um, you know the, the the moon. It depends on the weather. It depends on have I scouted and and know what's in this area. There's so many different things that come into factor to that. But I I would for my own person would tell myself to use my judgment to use my gut instincts to use the knowledge of what you have you know to the best of your ability and glass until you feel it's time to move and moving may be just moving an angle and it may be going down the ridge you know a half mile or maybe you know just you know turn around and and going in a different direction, I don't know. It, it it just depends on 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 what you're seeing at the time. I guess that would be a a thing. Is it you know? Is it stay and play or is it load and go? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it comes, like we said before, with experience. And if you know a specific buck is there, if, you know, if you've scouted and you, coos deer are one of those things that I had a question coming over the weekend. He's like, before the season, I saw a great buck on a hillside. I haven't seen him. I've been looking for four days. Should I move? And I said, well, if you move, know you're leaving that buck. He's somewhere right there, probably, unless he's been killed. He's 800, yeah. he's 800 yards from where you saw him. Just change your angle, change your position. And sometimes they're not up and moving, so you, you could sit there for a week and not see him. But likely well, they're right there. I always think about, you know, the, you know, my biggest buck to date, the, the 126 buck. Jay, you know, first of all, you know, there were some people and, you know, Mike, if you're listening, I mean, you know, that, that, that was awesome. That he, he told me to go in there. Didn't know that buck was specifically was there, but we, we were in there by accident. Uh, you know, our hunting partner had a, had an emergency appendectomy surgery. So we were trying to look for a place that just wasn't like, so, you know, break your, your ankles getting into. And, and we got in there and within five minutes of sitting down, I see a buck that is just gargantuan and, we spent the next, I think we killed him on the sixth day. Okay, so that gave that deer, never saw he, him. He, he, that. he gave us the slip the first day. We, we we barely saw movement of him the next day, and then didn't see him for three days. Right, and we had him pretty much triangulated, and we were all sitting in the same spot. I mean, I you know my son, my face was so sunburned. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous. And, and, and it turns out that, you know, on that next, you know, what, Wednesday or Thursday morning, you know, he just decided to stand up and turn around. He'd been laying in the same tree, you know, for all those days or, you know, at least had to have been in that, that small area. He, he wasn't in an area bigger than two football fields. Yeah. So that's six days. And if you take another buck that we did that with, we, we, we scouted that six or seven times. We knew that the buck was there. And didn't see him until the night before the season. Yeah. We were literally about ready to load up and, and go to a whole nother camp area, whole nother place because we hadn't seen the buck yet. And going to go to a, a number two buck in, in a tree that, that, that I looked at literally a thousand times. That buck stood up like he had been there every day. Yeah. So I, I think sometimes you just... You, you know, you, 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 sometimes you just got to be patient. And I know that sounds crazy, but I think the thing to think about the 126 buck was of all the animals that we saw during that time, we saw one doe, one fawn, and that buck. Oh, and I'm sorry, a herd of elk that came from completely out of nowhere and moved across the, the deal. That was it. I think one thing to note, and this is the last question, we'll kind of end on this, is Dar made a good point, you know, we do a lot of do-it-yourself hunts in Mexico where we set the ranch up and we turn guys loose down there to go glass and stuff. And some guys do incredible and, you know, shoot really big bucks and have a great time. And then there's always some that go down and they, you know, they don't do as well and they're wondering what they did wrong. And then I start asking them, you know, how did it go? And when I talk to Dar about it, he's like, do guys not understand that most of the time when we're coos deer hunting, we're absolutely getting our teeth kicked in and things are going not well and yeah. we are grinding and we are not. And then all of a sudden you do it day after day after day 
it happens and yep. you find the right buck and all of a sudden you're a hero. And, and that's one thing I think for new coos deer hunters out there. And I think hunters in general could take from it is the fact that you see all these pictures on Instagram and all the success that people have. But if you really truly hear the story, most of the time they're just getting punished. Yeah. No. I, and then all of a sudden a deer makes a mistake and stands up in the wrong spot and then it's game on. And all, all these great hunters that you see on Instagram, if, if, and you know, I've asked a lot of them on this podcast, but the reality is a lot of times it's a grind until it's not. Yeah. It's a grind until it's not. And then it happened and you killed the big one and, and the rest is history. But you know, patience is, it's, it, if you don't have it, you've got to, you've just got to let it play out sometimes and you've got to stay charged up. And, and I know that some days that's just, you know, that's so hard to do. I mean, on, on the, on the days that we were waiting for that buck to come out, you know, that like one of our buddies was like, Hey, you know, like, let's try, you know, let's try to move them. Like, uh, uh, I'll shoot you in the leg. Right. Like, don't you don't step foot within 300 yards of that deer. Stay away from it. He'll, he'll show himself. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. So I, I think Dar's, I, you know, I don't know. I think Dar's absolutely, you know, right. Yeah. Well, Cody, it's been awesome. Great to have you here. Um, I know Poppy enjoyed it and, um, she's excited that you're here. My guard dog. <laughs> and, uh, as always keep up the great work at Go Hunt. Um, thank you. I appreciate you excited me. about the Black Friday sales and all the stuff kicking off. Encourage the listeners to, um, be on the lookout and watch the sales come in there at Go Hunt. And um, thanks for having the personalized touch you have with everyone. I want to encourage everyone out there. You can always text Cody 602-399-3699. Tell him you're a JSO listener and he will take care of you. I appreciate you doing that for my listeners. Absolutely. Thanks um, for having us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some of your success. I know you're probably going to tag along on some of these uh, December hunts coming up. I'm I'm scouting for next year. So, good. (laughs) Good. Well, um, as always, God bless, and thanks for coming by. Much appreciated, sir. Thank you. Always, Always love the opportunity. Okay, great. Thanks.